Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to Obehave. I am your host, Brian Middleton, also known as the Bearded Behaviorist. And today um, we have three excellent guests from ABA Inside Track. Thanks for joining us, guys. I'll let you introduce yourselves. Oh, thanks, Brian. So, hi, I'm Robert Perry Cruz from ABA Inside Track. Hello, it's Diana Perry Cruz. And it's Jackie Not Perry Cruz McDonald. But where are you guys from, though? I didn't. I, I said where I was from. Oh, I said from, ABA Inside Track. From ABA Inside Track. Okay. I realized after I said it, Brian had already said yep. it. And then I felt I bad. Gonna I was like, like, this is going to get so repetitive so fast. Like, everyone's tuning out right off the bat. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. You have us on. It, it's okay. No worries. <laughs> uh, so, we're, but thank you. Thank you very much for having us on. We're really excited to talk uh, to talk with you today and to talk about about today's topic. I don't, I don't want to say any more. I don't want to spoil yeah, that. Uh, so, today's intro. topic on uh, the fifth edition task list is uh, B5, uh, define and provides examples of schedules of reinforcement. That's not a mouthful. And uh, so we're gonna be talking about schedules of reinforcement and uh, I'm really excited to have you guys on. Um, let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, so first off, uh, defining terms just so that make, make sure that our, our, everybody knows what we're talking about, reinforcement is defined as a, a stimulus following a behavior that increases the probability of a similar behavior in the future. So a lot of times people assume reinforcement is just something that feels good or feels nice. That's not necessarily true. It, it's specifically talking about um, whether the behavior increases over time. And so we can't, we can hypothesize that a, a, a stimulus is a reinforcer, but we really have to figure out through tracking the data on whether something truly reinforces or not. So parameters set there. Now we're talking about schedules of reinforcement. So um, is it a reinforcement Wednesday or is it a reinforcement Thursday today? Because, you know, we're looking at our schedule, right? The calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm I get silly. it. It's Thursday. <laughs> it's the Thursday. <laughs> or a Thursday, as I like to say. Exactly. <laughs> where we're using putative reinforcers. That's literally my favorite word to say, and so I always try to say it. And now you got me saying it all the time, I know. too. Putative reinforcers, potential reinforcers. Ooh. We don't really know the reinforcers. I find, for all you students out there, Jackie turned me on to this term. I'd read it, I, I was like, one of those words, I was like, I don't want to look this word up. I'm much too old to learn new words. But once you told me what it was, it gets around, I think, the, the issue you're talking about there, Brian, of, you don't want to call everything a reinforcer or that's reinforcing because you just don't know until you've seen the graph of responses afterwards. But 
quick little pro tip. If you add putative to like everything you're saying, like hmm, the putative reinforcer, you cover your bases because it means like maybe it is. I don't know for sure. So pro tip everyone to start using putative with every verb. And I mean, you're, you're cover all your bases. Right. Okay, What's putatively so, for dinner? That's what I'm going to say from now on. I putatively dinner. run. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Right. Who knows? And just to clarify, it's not punitive, no. right? No. With an N. It's putative, putative. with a T. Punitive reinforcement would be like it's some like weird a oxymoron. term that would implode itself. Yeah, not that well, one. That's that's like the oxymoron of force compliance, but that's a different yeah. episode. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So we're talking about schedules of reinforcement, putative reinforcement. Um, so what does it, what does the term schedule mean? Are you asking us? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the schedule, I know the term schedule. Yeah. So a schedule will mean when the reinforcer may be delivered, right? Okay. So it could be at a various varying times for whatever reason, right? Depending on what schedule there's, Simple schedules, which we'll talk about today. There's compound schedules, which we will not talk about today. Shoot, no. <laughs> mm. um, but simple schedules. And there's time-based schedules. And there's time-based schedules, which we also won't talk about today. There's so many schedules. Um, but with the four simple schedules of reinforcement, it just uh, specifies when a reinforcer will be delivered based on a specific criteria. Okay. Oh, I did that pretty good. Actually. Oh, I really think that's that was fantastic. I, I might soundbite that. And when I start doing out the, um, so there's three types of OBHAVES. There's the regular, which is this, the discussion. And then there's the side quests, which we're talking about ABA related things, but not specifically education. And then basics, which basics are, you know, basically sound bites, audio flashcards, which I haven't gotten to yet, but it's on the list. Um, Diane and I were talking about, about something like that today, and we sort of did one of those, like, that's a lot of work, and kind of moved on with our day. <laughs> it is a lot of work, but uh, the objective of the open source education thing is to make it so that it's freely available and easy to access. So it is a lot of work, but I'd love your help if you want to do it. Anyways. Oh, I mean, this, this seems like it lends itself nicely, because again, we're Absolutely. talking about specific targets, so it's sort of, I remember at some point, Jackie talked about schedules, so I'm going to cut that, you know, cut that little chunk out, right? I don't know if I feel like editing that much. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, so... There are, there, um, are no, there are no reinforcers whatsoever in editing, not putative, not actual, it's, it's a terrible task. But, unless you love your own voice. Oh, unless you love, I, I love my own voice, and I even got tired of editing, so... Uh, I listen to my own voice like right now and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. so anyways. Um, all right. So my understanding is that there are uh, ratio and interval style reinforcers. Um, so could you define for our audience what a ratio, uh, w w what does that mean? Is that like, you know, one cup of sugar to four cups of water? That's right, Brian. You have it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, so a ratio schedule is going to uh, provide the opportunity for a reinforcer following either a set or variable number of responses. Okay. So it's that kind of schedule. And then for an interval schedule, uh, this one gets a little tricky sometimes, right? So people think that a certain amount of time passes and then a reinforcer just magically appears, right? Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about an interval schedule, it's a certain amount of time passes and then a reinforcer is delivered following the next response that occurs. Okay. 
So that could again be a fixed interval schedule. So it's a set amount of time, same amount of time every time, or it could be a variable schedule. So the interval itself varies. Okay. And if you're just delivering reinforcement, once the time frames up, that would be non-contingent reinforcement based off an interval, right? If the reinforcer is just flown in, right? And that's the way I always picture it. Like it's just flown in and dropped off like yeah. by a drone or something. Yes, exactly. Without, uh, or it's not providing contingent on response, then that would be what we call NCR. But if we really want to be more specific, then we would call that a fixed time or variable time schedule. But the key to those is that they're not contingent on responding. So okay. it's just free reinforcement for all, throw it in the air, see where it lands. Type candy at the parade you're at the parade yes. you you get you get the candy the yes, kids exactly. run out into the street and you're like oh no what, what behaviors are we reinforcing exactly <laughs> um i've seen that way too often uh okay so um we've got the fixed ratio fixed interval variable ratio and variable intervals and those are the different schedules of reinforcement um i really love talking about one of the side effects of variable interval reinforcement, um, which is superstition. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to share a story with you. All right. Because I was, I was studying um, behavior analysis, and um, my wife and I used to own a little townhome. And I'd come home from teaching, and our dog would be in the backyard. It was a little patio area. We had a, a grassed area where she could take care of business and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't cushy, but it was, you know, enough. And sometimes I'd come home and let her into the house immediately. And sometimes I'd come home and take care of a few chores and then let her in. That sort of thing. Take her for a walk. And uh, one day I was just feeling particularly tired and I had to get some studying done. So I sat down and I was reading and I looked up. And the door that we had had blinds that were just set so, just so, so she couldn't see me, but I could definitely see her. And uh -huh. the dog was staring at the door handle and doing this. Oh. <laughs> and cocking her head I, over. <laughs> just just like every three, uh, two to two to five seconds, she would just cock her head and then go back up again like this. And I was just like, "What's going on here?" And so for the next few days, I just watched it, and then I was like. I'll bet you it was because it was a variable um, interval reinforcement that mm -hmm. it was, I was not consistently. And so probably what happened is that she did that to the door enough times that she now has this little superstitious tick of if I look at the door enough like this, then I'm going to get the reinforcement <laughs> of the door opening. I mean, it eventually does, right? So that's, that's the kicker with superstitious behavior a lot, right? If it occurs at higher rates, eventually reinforcement is going to be following after that, even though you didn't mean it, mm, right? Yeah. So you'll still do that and you'll be like, oh, kicker. <laughs> That's the power of reinforcement. Yeah. Make all sorts, of, all sorts of crazy stuff happen. You know, that's where Loki and Thor come from. So, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, I like that example, Brian, because usually when I think of superstitious behavior, I think of, Try one of my professors who had this example of uh, baseball players. If you ever watch baseball players, who knows when that will ever happen again, but maybe someday you'll get to watch baseball players. And when they get up to bat, you know, because batting is one of those things that, you know, no one bats a thousand. That's where that expression comes from because people don't hit the ball that often. Mm -hmm. uh, less than 50%. And you'll watch them. And before they take the swing, you'll see them move the bat. You'll see them 
fix the baseball gloves on their hands. You'll see them kind of look around. You'll see them hit the foot. And if you watch the certain players long enough, you'll notice that they have like the same bunch of just arbitrary responses that they're engaged in before that ball gets pitched. Because again, they don't, they, you know, they, they don't know that they're doing these things on purpose. It's something that's developed over multiple, multiple at bats where sometimes they do this and they get a big hit. Sometimes they do it. They don't get a hit and they do it again and they get a hit. So that's always the example I go back to, but I, I think the dog one is probably going to, going to reach more, more people and it's a little more global uh, <laughs> example. So I'm going to borrow that one if you don't mind. I'm, feel, feel free, uh, please do. And, and I've got good news. She doesn't engage in that behavior anymore. Because we now, we now live in a place with a dog door. So. Oh. oh, there you go. <laughs> she can go in and out at, at will. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's absolutely no reason for it. <laughs> Which I'm very happy about. Because like, you know, having a, 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 a watering. A, still a there? Watering, yeah, I'm still here. That is Uh-oh. an amazing Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, no. that, that is fantastic. I wonder what my face looks like. It, it was looks beautiful. You look so, so happy. happy. Super happy. There oh, there we go. go. Okay. There we you go. Look, We're back. Now you look the same, but you're back. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Just was, as happy as you look you're now. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. That's one of my problems so is, is, is uh, I, I, I look too happy. So people always assume I'm a, I'm a big teddy bear. And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> i'm gonna be mad now <laughs> all right so yeah um, <laughs> so yeah that's a uh, variable interval reinforcement um so now variable ratio so that one would be well the definition i'm looking at here is a variable number of responses required for reinforcement produces a steady high uh, rate of responding is the definition that i'm looking at yeah yeah before we get into that, though, Brian, oh, I know, okay. Dinah, you wanted to, well, it's on the, on the same topic, but one of the things that we, because we're old people, uh, had to learn about was cumulative records. And while I myself have never actually used cumulative records, I know Diana brought up when we were sort of getting ready to, to you know, to, to talk on the show, you know, the one fun thing I think all of us older students loved about cumulative records was looking at the cumulative record graph that came from the different schedules of reinforcement that uh-huh. we could get. We're not that old. We're not that old, but, but it's not on the task list anymore. So most <clears> people <throat> don't do cumulative records. And no, no, no. But, well, I mean, I brought it up because the way that we talk about schedules of reinforcement is in conjunction with those classic graphs, right? Yeah. So every time you learn about the schedules, you learn, and we haven't t- covered like the fixed ones yet, but you learn like the break and run for the FR and you learn the scallop pattern for the FI, right? And then the VR and the VI are sort of harder to distinguish between because they're both like pretty steep increases. But you classically learn about them with those graphs, right? And they're almost at no other point in time do we use a cumulative record. Not that I don't think we should because I, I love the cumulative record. It's like the unicorn of graphs when you find it in the wild. It's so exciting. But uh, what I have found is that my students don't have a context for understanding those graphs, even though we're asking them to use them to identify the different schedules of reinforcement, because they don't ever have other context for talking about a cumulative record. So I thought that that might be a good thing to add in to this conversation is explaining what why we have those graphs and how we arrive at them, because they're totally different than the way that we normally graph data yeah 
that good? And I'm actually pulling up an image right now. Um, and I'll make sure to cite it in, in audio so that way whoever created this gets the credit for it. So this is coming from opentextbc.ca and I'm just gonna move my camera real quick and give folks, sorry to show off my messy room. Ah, uh, um, yes. There they are. Ah, there we go. There they are. <laughs> so this is the cumulative record. And for those of you who are listening strictly audio, I will try to put a link to this article so that way you can look it up. Um, but we were just talking about fixed interval and the scalloping effect is, is what I believe it's called, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what I always called it, right? So, so the interesting thing about the cumulative record is that it's graphing, I mean, obviously, it's just like the name, it's graphing cumulative responses over time. So what's different about the cumulative record is that you never have a decrease in your slope of your responses, right? So it's not like the way that we typically graph data where you might have X, or I'm sorry, we might have number of sessions along the Y, uh, mm -hmm. along the X axis and the number of responses along the Y axis. And on each session or each day, you could have anywhere from, you know, 100 responses all the way down to zero and your graph of your data would go up and down and up and down like a mountain range, right? You're so never it would look something more like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the graph I think most students are going to be very familiar with because when you're using behavior analysis, you're using it to, you know, increase a desirable behavior, decrease an undesirable behavior. So mm -hmm. you're going to see those ups and downs. And I think we get very used to the idea of a graph just go, can go all sorts of crazy directions. Whereas in reality, with our cumulative records, it only gets to go one way, which is either, you know, kind of flat or up, but it's always sort of moving in one direction. Yep. It's always, Tends to always going up. in the same direction. Right, exactly. And cool. if there's no responding, you'll see a flat line. Okay. Right? So if there's no responding in one session, then it'll just look flat. Yeah, so time marches on, right? So if there's no responding occurring, then you're going to see a horizontal line uh, for representing, represented on your cumulative record. And then when responding does start to occur again, then uh, there will be an increase in slope. So the, the steeper the slope, the higher the rate of response. And then if you have a, a stop in the response, then you'll see a horizontal line again in the data. Okay. So that's how you end up with the patterns of responding that you see when we talk about schedules and we talk about these schedules with, with regard to the cumulative record because that's how the data were initially collected way back in the day. So it's the same idea as like, um, like, a, like a lie detector. You know uh -huh. how there's like that little arm that's measuring that whatever it's measuring. Nothing really. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you, Rob. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> well, it is. It's measuring. It's, like your it's not measuring lies, but it's measuring your like stress responses. Yeah, it's just measuring your stress response. Heart stress. rate. I, I've seen enough spy movies to know those things aren't reliable. <laughs> no, they're not. But, but, it, but it's, always, it's always moving, right? So the paper underneath is always moving and it's measuring changes over time. Or an earthquake, a seismometer. Yeah. I made up that word. A seismograph. Yeah, sure. Sure. One of those. Yeah, yeah, same idea, right? So like the geologists everywhere going. scream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the but the needle only moves when there's activities. It's the same idea here, except that this is only going etching up and up and up, and that was related to the original apparatus that they used. Um, every time a response occurred, the little the little needle bumped up um, in its 
wheel cog. I, when you when you decide you describe flatline, I was thinking the flatline sound of you know bee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I so, think of that too, though. I think of that too because there's no responding. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, heart beating is a behavior. Um, mm -hmm. It's a reflexive behavior, but it's a behavior. Right. So. Yeah, so, so same idea here. So when you see um, you know, the, the different patterns of the schedules, which we can talk about now or we can talk about later if we want to get into it more, um, that is represented in the cumulative record, which is why it looks different than how most of the graphs, when we talk about graphs, look. Mm -hmm. So that always confused my students until I kind of like laid it out for them and explained, like, this is a whole different thing than what you're used to. And then yeah. it made a lot more sense to them because otherwise they were just learning it rotely and I don't think it was really attached to a lot of meaning. Yeah. Well, and that's what we're, I'm hoping to do with this show is to make it so it's not rote so that it, it connects. So thank you. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. If you only, if you're, you're studying hard, you just got to learn what's on that fifth task list, you know, as you're doing all your, your practicum work, if you only remember four cumulative record patterns, these are the four to remember. And then you can like learn the rest later when you have some more time, you know, when you're, when you're you done basically just need to know these four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to undersell the cumulative record as someone who, every time someone tells me, you know, you go to like a social event, they're like cumulative records. And I kind of like, mm, I kind of start glazing my eyes over. Like, I don't want to talk about cumulative. Well, records. you need to know about more schedules of reinforcement than these four, but yes. these are the ones that are typically going to be demonstrated graphically in a cumulative record. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think when you put the, the record, with the response pattern that you get, you know, as shown in that cumulative record, that I think makes it easier as a practitioner to sort of think about why would I or would I not want to use this simple schedule of reinforcement? Like, what are the pros? What are the cons? And they go beyond, you know, the, the, the important, but not necessarily as interesting, I think, scientifically um, speaking, issues of, well, I probably would use variable schedules more often because it's really hard when you're trying to get someone to follow your behavior plan where you must reinforce every response to get them to keep up at that, at that ratio. It's just, it's just very difficult to do outside of say like a clinical setting. So usually people end up with uh, one of our variable schedules just on accident because it's a little easier to do. Well, and also that's kind of variables a little bit more real life. Um, you don't always receive reinforcement um, the, the challenge there is that, uh, and I, I know I'm maybe jumping over some of to some other episodes, but the challenge comes that if you're un if you're trying to do extinction and you unintentionally reinforce it, then you turn it into a variable reinforcement yep. schedule, which makes it harder for it to be placed on extinction. So there's some ethical quandaries that come with that. Um, but on the flip side, it makes the behavior stronger. Um, and, and so if we're reinforcing the right socially significant behavior, re replacement behaviors, then that means that the individual has access to new pivotal skills, pivotal behaviors. Yeah, we want those to be demonstrated at strength and be persistent in the face of extinction. Exactly. I want to make one caveat. I was going to wait to the end and I just was writing it down, but I do want to make one caveat with the simple schedules it. of reinforcement. So one caveat when we're talking about clinical work is that we have to remember that the simple schedules of reinforcement, how we imagine they would be on these, these cumulative records are going to go out the window as soon as you see rule governed behavior emerge. And that's usually when language emerges with, uh, with humans. So what research has shown is that 
free verbal uh, humans, right, may display these same characteristics in the cumulative record as, as non-humans do. But as soon as language emerges, then the rule governed behavior may take the place of that contingency, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so then you may not see these schedules of reinforcement because the rule is uh, of greater, you know, greater I think impact. If a rule has been. If a rule has been made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we just have to make that one caveat is that you're not going to miraculously see these schedules across all people at all times. Yeah. Yeah. But just because just it even, was in the textbook doesn't mean that's going to be the graph you right. actually get if, yeah. you, if you do the real But as a verbal human, my behavior will adhere to these schedules as well. Right. If there hasn't been an additional rule overlaid. Yes. On top of them. But Jackie, what if the rule is follow the graph for fixed <laughs> ratio? <laughs> well, then it will work. Boom. <laughs> the well, exception and, proves the rule, Rob. <laughs> and uh, as a sneak peek, because we're going to be doing an episode about trauma-informed care um, uh, on your guys' show. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited yeah. for it. Um, the thing to understand is regardless of who or what we're working with, this is a science of living organisms, which means yes. that while we are also being very scientific, that doesn't mean that we throw out being human. Uh, yes. Quite the opposite. And in fact, all the reading that I've done from B.F. Skinner, every single reading that I've done has indicated that he firmly believed that we need to take into account and respect the individual, uh, their feelings, their emotions, and we're radical behaviors. And that doesn't just mean Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, guys. <laughs> really radical dude. Wild stallions. Sorry. <laughs> but it also means Excellent. that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it also means that uh, um, private events are behaviors. And so whether, whether or not the, the only observer of that private event is the individual, right? But we still need to take into account and consider that person. And the, the further research that has been done, especially in areas of trauma and things like that, um, which thank you to a lot of other uh, sciences of psychology for furthering that research in alongside the research we've done um, shows that, you know, if, if you're not treating the individual with integrity and respect, then it's going to backfire. doesn't matter what your intent is. Mm -hmm. well, I, oh, feel, yeah. I feel like you should just, you should cut out that, that discussion you just had with us, Brian, like put it at the end. It's like a postscript to every episode. It's like, I'm glad we talked very factually about everything on the task list. This is important for your test. However, you really need to understand yeah. there's a million other things you're not taking into account if you only learned this. Uh, and some of that I feel is, is some of it's just the age of the practitioner. Like you pass your test. It's very exciting. Now you have to learn all the actual real life, real life lessons that hopefully you did in supervision or got to some extent in supervision. But oh boy, I remember just learning this stuff. And I could just remember to define these four terms. I was like, I did it. I'm a behavior analyst. And unfortunately, it, it has to go a little beyond that. You're right. So so we've got, we've got, we've got two, two masters, both working with people, which is, is very, very important, and working with our science, which is also very important. And the sooner you kind of put the two together or understand that you at some point will have to put the two together, I think the better a practitioner one will be. I'm incredibly grateful that I was able to be a special ed teacher before I encountered behavior analysis because um, nothing like being thrown into the deep end with great white sharks the size of Jaws. <laughs> to teach you how to, to 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 learn the right way and the wrong way and uh yeah exactly that 
So, all right, we, we've hit, um, sorry, variable ratio reinforcement. Uh, all right, and we came up with examples. Oh, sorry. It was variable interval reinforcement, my bad. Okay. Yeah, examples. I think you started with the toughest one. Yeah, variable. I mean, I think variable interval is, you know, once you kind of get a grasp of it, it's not too tricky. But like Diana, you were saying, the idea is most people think variable interval. Oh, I get it. I don't know what time my interval is. Every time it's a little different. It's going to be around some set average. And when that time is done, I deliver the reinforcement. But once you get over, no, 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 not the time. The next instance of the target response occurs is when the reinforcer is delivered. Once you get past that hump, again, I, I think that one is the trickiest, but also, you know, that's, that's the tricky part. That's, that's the little piece that I think throws people off. Well, that's tricky, but also I think coming up with, because we all came up with real life examples to share mm -hmm. with you, Brian, if you yeah, want to hear please them. do. Um, I think it's, that one is the trickiest to come up with real life examples. I, also because there are so many SDs in our environment that are going to indicate when reinforcement is available other than just the variable passage of time, right? Mm -hmm. So like that I think is what makes this challenging to present as a real life example. But what if we tell you the ones we came up with and you can tell us if you think they're any good? Um, go for it. Okay. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I was so loud right there. <laughs> So mine is, mine's hilarious. So Ooh, mine should be a fixed interval, but in real life, it's a variable interval. When you're getting on the city bus, right? You imagine that it's going to be a fixed interval, <laughs> but it never comes on time. It could come early. It could come late. It could come very late. It could come very early. So your behavior is waiting for it? Waiting sitting at the bus it. stop? Mm -hmm. Okay. And like getting up to get Stand, on the bus. Standing intently at the stop, like right. I'm ready to go, I'm looking both ways, here comes I, the bus. I'm going to agree with you with one caveat. Yes, please do. Not in Japan. Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a comedian that I, uh, that I, that I enjoy um, listening to and I, for some reason I've spaced her name, but she actually does this, uh, a whole um, <clears throat> skit on ish, the idea of ish. And how she yeah. tries introducing it to her mom. And she's like, I will be be there sometime between 9.45 and 10. And his, her mother just looked at her with rage. In her face. <laughs> <laughs> the Japanese are very consistent. So that works in <laughs> all places except Japan. <laughs> Do you want to go? Sure. I, so I think the one, I think Donna, you actually had, had started coming up with, with this example. And I just wrote it down and then didn't write a second one. So I'll take this one, was, uh, so when you think about uh, getting a text or when you send a text to your friend, you know, you're expecting to get a response back. So you send a text or, and you pick up your phone, you know, cause oh, did they, did they send it? Did they send it? No, not yet. You put your phone down and then you pick it up. Do they send it now? No. And then you wait a little while. All right, did you send it now? Cause you're not quite sure when the text is gonna come through. There's gonna be some period of time and the text will come. And when you pick up your phone, you'll get, you know, the putative reinforcer of, oh, your friend wrote something to you. Let's assume they're going to write something really great. They just great. wrote K. They're going to text, they're <laughs> going to text you back. You're the best, you know, so something great, you know, that we assume will, will, will most likely function as a reinforcer. So you just keep picking up your phone. And again, when we think about this, even though we have phones that ding and they tell us when, when we have it, we all still have that habit of like, ah, it's been a little while. I think I better pick up my phone. 
No, it's been a little longer. Better pick up my phone. And eventually your friend will have texted you or the sound will go off and then you'll pick up your phone. And you could have waited that whole time. But even though there was no ding, you just keep doing it. Like talk about superstitious behavior. Like maybe the text came. Maybe I wasn't listening close enough. Maybe my phone's on vibrate and my couch like sucked up all the sound waves and it didn't vibrate. So I better look. So again, you don't know when it's going to happen. And with that, that varia, the variable interval there, that's one of the reasons you probably do this with relative consistency. Like I keep doing it every now and again, I keep going it. Whereas if, if your friend texted you, like I will text you back in five minutes, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't uh, pick it up quite so quickly. You'd sort of wait a while. And then as it got closer to five minutes, then you'd start doing the pick it up, pick it up, mm -hmm. pick it up uh, over and over again. And that's, that's, that's yeah. Again, I think that, that was works. Diana's example too. <laughs> that, that also works with social media, um, not just text messages, yeah. so mm -hmm. comments or likes, things like that. So yeah, that, that, that's excellent. So that was my example, but I came up with another one. Okay. And mine's real nerdy. So bear with me. Yours is mainstream. It's, Rob thinks it's, I think it's not nerdy, but it's kind of nerdy. So I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Are you familiar with that game? I'm familiar. I haven't played it, but I'm familiar with it. <laughs> so It's the game of the pandemic. Yeah, and my character is doing very well for herself. Thank you for asking. She's got three expansions on her house. She has a whole beautiful garden and she's pretty happy with her life there. That's wonderful. But, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so every night there's like a different event that happens, right? So sometimes there's a ghost that comes and sometimes there's a guy who comes and wants to buy bugs from you. But there's one where this pelican guy washes up on the seashore and you have to do something for him and then he'll give you a gift. So I really like him because I think he's funny, but you never quite know when he's going to come, right? And you only see him if you go along the whole seashore of your island to check all the nooks and crannies for where this pelican may have washed up. So if I am playing the game and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen, his name is Gulliver. I haven't seen Gulliver in a while, right? Then I will start checking the perimeter of the island. And if he didn't come that night, then I'll check again the next night and the next night, but I never exactly know when he's going to be there. So if he's come that day, then eventually when I check the perimeter, I'll find him. That will be reinforcing. But the interval, I think, I haven't figured out the interval, so it's not rule governed yet. So I think it's varied. Well, it definitely has a role to it because it's an algorithm that drives the whole thing. You just- I know, but yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so for me, it's just a variable. That's animal. awesome. That's yes. a good example that gets gets our <laughs> Animal Crossing fans in on the on the action. <laughs> crossing heads. <laughs> is that the is that the nickname for it? Crossing I, heads. No, I don't know. I'm not in that deep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so uh, this is actually an example that uh, a a peer of mine, a math teacher, uh, used, and that I also used in my classroom as uh, an effective. Uh, variable interval because you get busy as a teacher. It's really hard to be able to do everything. Um, but <clears throat> interval timers for working out are pretty easy to set up on your phone. They're free on all the major platforms and you can set them up to, to vibrate silently in your pocket or on your watch if you have a smartwatch. So what she and I both did is we set up variable timers and when we caught a student doing a target behavior that we wanted them to do, note-taking or working on an assignment, um, praise, uh, reinforce, or whatever reinforcer it is that, that they prefer 
because some kids, you know, it's a punisher for praise, um, right. that sort of thing. But we, when we catch them doing that thing after the interval, after the vibration in our pocket, then we would be looking and then catch them, reinforce. Um, this, is, this worked for um, two students of mine of polar opposite challenges. One kid would sit and do nothing. Like literally would sit like this the entire class time. And the other student, um, ADHD to the extreme, definitely needed his meds. And even then it was a struggle. And in both cases, and they were two different periods, um, I did this with them. And um, one student, average grade at the first quarter that I started working with him was 17%. The other student, the ADHD, had tried, but it was closer to 30%. Um, by the last quarter of that school year, both of them, their lowest grade, lowest grade was a C plus. Wow. Right. Because it was all about delivering the reinforcement for the target behavior of taking notes, being on task, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that frustrates me so much about, you know, education and the connection the, the tenuous connection with ABA that shouldn't be tenuous mm -hmm. is that learning is a behavior and it shouldn't just be the problem kids that, sh right. that we should be working with. It should be, this should be governing how we teach period. Um, and same thing goes for university classes. Same thing goes for all levels. It's like, this is a behavior we learn. And um, we did the variable interval because that worked for the environment because we had a lot of kids to work with. And it worked fantastic for us. Mm. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, so that that's like a workout app. You can set it to be variable interval. Um, all you do is look up interval timers um, on on any one of the app stores. Choose what, a, what app store of your choice, and you can use the best ones. Allow you to just set, make it so it just vibrates. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you have to do a little bit of programming and planning ahead of time. Um, because you're creating the intervals yourself. You can't just say, this is what I want my estimated rate to be. And okay. anybody who designs an ABA variable timer, you will have my money very quickly. Actually, you think that would exist by now, but you I can used do to. You can Excel. You can, you can do like random interval in Excel and put you in your like. You program it though, but, yeah, but, but yeah, then you don't have it handy. I've also done the, I pull a number out of a hat or I have to teach the staff, like just pull a number out of the hat and that's your, there's your interval. That starts getting less and less variable interval and more and more it starts to become fixed interval though, especially if they like lose what's in the hat. They only have two left yeah. in the hat. We used to use a thing called a motivator, which is. I've used those as well. And those, sort of like those are pretty good. Smartphone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it would allow you to vary the interval around a certain mean. And you can still cool, buy them. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, but you know, they weren't, they weren't super expensive, but they also weren't super cheap, you know? Like so it was, bucks. yeah, it wasn't about it was 50, a little more 60 than I could, bucks a piece. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I could like buy everyone. I would have like one per classroom um, and everyone would take turns using it. So it was. There's a variable probably, interval who gets the motivator schedule. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. And then when we're thinking about the cumulative record, the variable interval schedule tends to produce a, a steady rate of responding. Right. So mm -hmm. a fairly fairly steep slope but not the steepest slope when we're when we're thinking about how the cumulative record this is might guy look. right here yeah so you so, see a steady rate of responding but maybe not quite as high a rate as you see with other schedules 
And earlier I, I misspoke, I, I referred to the scalloping uh, and that's in reference to fixed interval. Oh yeah. Not, not variable. I, I goofed on that. So oh, I didn't even notice. And anybody who was screaming in the podcast, you got it wrong. <laughs> You're right. I did get it wrong. And I recognize <laughs> that. Congratulations. You received reinforcement for screaming at the podcast. <laughs> cool. So um, okay. should we talk about fixed interval now since we talked about the scalloping in relation to that? Yeah. That works for me. Uh, so for fixed interval, we see uh, responding occur uh, and reinforcement provided contingent on responding after a set amount of time has passed. So that's the same amount of time. So it could be five minutes, could be five years, but it's the same amount of time that goes by. And this produces that scallop pattern that we just talked about in the graph, right? So you might uh, over, of course it takes time to develop due to reinforcement history, but then once that's pretty, pretty developed, then you see a uh, rate of responding that's initially lower. And as the interval passes, that passage of time without a reinforcer functions as an SD to occasion additional responses such that uh, right before the interval ends, you see a really uh, much higher rate of responding occur. And then when the reinforcer is delivered, you again see a lower rate of responding for a period of time. So my, uh, my example for that was not that I find this reinforcing because I actually never, ever, ever do this activity, but some people might check the mail. I do. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Do you like to check the mail, Jackie? I do. I really like my postman. I actually check the mail so that I can say hi to my postman. Hey, hey, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. <laughs> He's so friendly. Both my daughter and I wait at the window in the morning. That's cute. Do you wait at the window at night? Uh, yes. No, we no, don't. No, stop it. No, we <laughs> Only don't. Only a little bit. And then more and more as they stay up all night. He usually comes around 7.45 a.m.-ish, mm -hmm. right? It's usually 7.45. Mm-hmm. And so at six o'clock, we don't go to the window, but we start increasing the look over around 7.30 a.m. And it increases exponentially as we get closer and closer to 7.45. Okay. Creepy, I know. There you go. But then, but that's, there's, your, there's, your, there's your scallop. There's the scallop. There's the scallop. All right, so that's my example. My example is a little bit similar. Uh, when I need to get work done, I sometimes will put a block on my uh, browsing on my on my computer right for a specific time so I can only access what I'm working on currently and I can't go to Facebook or mm -hmm. Insta or you know anything and so when I first put that blocker on I'm like I'm gonna work so hard right but then as time passes I might go in I might click on click on that browser to see if it works and then it doesn't. But as we get closer and closer, farther away from the time in which I put it on, I'm gonna be clicking, 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 clicking. And I'm only going to access my, my, other, my other tabs, right? When the time has elapsed. So when the time has elapsed, then I'll be click and then it works. And I'm like, woo, time's over. Hmm. That's a good Next one. interval. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, so I, I mean, 
we could probably use the one I use for variable interval as well. But in terms of trying to think of another one, which I hope will work out because I just made it up in my head, would be, you know, when you think about when you've got a, a meeting and you've got two meetings, you know, you're starting at one meeting at nine, but you got to get to another meeting at 10, 15. So, you know, you need to start, you know, heading for the door. And this is more like a chain of responses, but you need to come up with a reason to leave and start heading for the door at about <laughs> like, so you're out of there by 10. So you can get to the other meeting. And, you know, you have your clock. So, you know, exactly. You have an hour before you need to start engaging in all of your, you know, various getting ready to leave a meeting behaviors, which is sort of the <laughs> private event of what's my excuse? Do I look like I want to get out of this meeting? Do I look rude? Can you Am just I going to say you have a mad? meeting? Uh, maybe, but then you would not have You're the fun like, neuroses oh, I've developed for myself. Excuse here. me. A lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, let me, so you've got your meeting. So, you know, as the time goes on and usually you're in a room with a clock, but even if you didn't have a clock in the room, you'd at some point be like, this meeting's been going on a long time. I probably need to get to my other meeting. So you start engaging in like, I better, like, I better like start putting my stuff together. I'm going to start putting my stuff together. But maybe you realize like, oh, you know, I think I got some more time or someone starts talking, you know, you have some competing reinforcers there. So, okay, I'll kind of, I'll sit, I'll, I'll look, I'm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, I'm listening. And then, doing oh, the, doing the looking at the door. Later. I better start looking at the door. I better, and then eventually you, you get to the point where you're like, I know it is, if I don't leave now, I will, and then you talk about punishment. Like I, I won't get to my meeting. Let's, let's assume it's a great meeting. You're so excited to get there. And you, you, so you know, it's like 10, I have to go. So that's when you get up and say, I have to leave or I need the bathroom or you know, whatever your excuse is for getting out of that meeting. And then you run out the door, but you don't do that the whole way through the meeting. You wait until you're getting closer and closer to the end of your interval before you start engaging in more of your, getting ready to leave responses, let's call them, or ditching the meeting in responses. You, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the, the getting ready to go and that sort of thing. One of my favorites, I, I, I love studying body language now. One of my favorites is the feet are facing towards the door and the shoulders start <laughs> pushing towards the door and the other person's looking at them and it's like all the body language is saying, I want to go, but they're trying to be respectful. It's like, right. there's a rules governed behavior there, but at the same time, like, I've got to go. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Little meeting yep. comedy there for you. So, um, I think you're supposed to just get up and say, make up like the trick is to get up and leave and then make your excuse as you're walking out the door, because that'll be the better, the better excuse than the one you're like, I could say this. I could say that. I could do this. I could do that. Now at Zoom, the beginning just, of the meeting, you're supposed to be like, I have another meeting at 10, everyone. I'm so sorry. Whoa, big shot. Okay. Sorry about all your meetings you have. Jeez, this client's not that important. Don't worry about it. No, you just let people know. Not all of us have two meetings to go to, Diana. That was you did. That was your example. Oh, I was a dream of mine to have two meetings. <laughs> back-to-back meetings. Back-to-back Ooh. meetings. Oh. So I'm oh, still a little bit off of you, and my example <laughs> is going to be school. Uh, the bell the bell rings at a consistent time. My personal favorite is the teacher response of the bell doesn't dismiss you. I do, but they're mm. already dismissed. Like they're gone. Right. <laughs> and I saw a meme the other day, like teachers in, in high school and in middle school and elementary school, the bell doesn't dismiss you. I do teachers at university have already given up hope. It's like the bell <laughs> rings. All right, we're done. No way. <laughs> Yeah, my students definitely do that packing up behavior ahead of time. Mm. But I just keep talking. Because <laughs> they know it's almost time to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that, that was the scallop effect uh, and for uh, fixed interval or FI. Uh, we weren't using the, the acronyms. Uh, but the, so the, 
vi is variable interval and fi is fixed interval. So now we're going to go back to ratio and those cups of sugar and water that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and intervals based off of response. So like if it was, um, let's say we're doing a fixed interval of every time, every 10 times that somebody blinks, I deliver reinforcement. Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's a, maybe it's a variable interval of every time somebody blinks, blinking being a, a behavior that is simultaneously reflexive, but also can serve another function as well. Yep. Um, so that's kind of a fun one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you could, if, if that were happening, then one could receive reinforcement every two seconds, right? If you're blinking really, 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 really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no time constraints in place. It's just the rate of response. Well, uh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically uh, of a situation with the client that I, um, I had, uh, and I say client, but I actually mean student, uh, who had a dry eye issue because uh, mm -hmm. he didn't blink enough. And, and so this was even before I was a behavior analyst. Um, I, I was really worried about him. So anytime I saw him blinking, anytime I caught him blinking, I would say good job pray and praise him for it. Um, cause he just, you know, do the stare thing. And, uh, I unintentionally did it a variable ratio huh. for him. And so yeah. it, his, his mom was like, what are you doing? Like he's not, he's not eating as many eye drops. And I'm like, Oh no, now I know. But at that <laughs> right, time right, I was right. just like, I, I just let him know that I like that he's blinking. <laughs> I was reinforcing to him. So therefore, paired stimuli, that's what it is now. Huh. Good. Cool. Uh, yeah, so you can have a fixed ratio or a variable ratio here, huh? just like with the interval schedule. And should we talk about... Fixed. Fixed first? Fixed, sure. I love fixed ratio. Oh, yeah? I love it because is I your love... your fave? It's my, actually my fave because I like imagining the staircase. It's a break mm -hmm. and run pattern. It makes it what looks like a staircase, right? Because yeah, your your graph doesn't it, show it doesn't the break and it. run very clearly. Um, you know what? Let me see if I can find a better one. But it's, it's like, like stairs. Yeah, it's like responding is at a, a it's very steep, and then once the requirement for the amount of responses has occurred, then you just see a flat liner because everyone stopped what's that's called the post reinforcement pause the prp prp the post reinforcement pause and PRP. then right as you take some breaks you take break and then you're ready to as go as though again. you had run up a flight of stairs yeah and then you're <laughs> you take a break you're back at it you see again a high a high steady rate of responding until you've met that requirement and then you break again it's it's wonderful my example was the number of bingo dots in a row you put, maybe not if someone calls them, but if you're just like, bingo, 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 bingo. Mm -hmm. And then once you get five, you take a break. There it is. There it yeah, is. There it is. Yeah, I like Thank that you, one. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> you take a break. Uh, you know, you, you stretch your hand a little bit. So the stair-like effects there. Yep. Sorry. And then that, that break or that pause is called the post-reinforcement pause. Yeah. Or maybe in your example, you could add in talking about getting bingo. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right? That too. Yeah. Um, 
my example was one of those awesome punch cards that I feel like used to be quite popular. Like I think I had one for Subway where if you got mm. 10 subs and you got a sub free, right? Mm. So every time you go in, you order a sub, you get a punch on your card. And when you get 10, when you've bought 10 subs, you get one free. So initially you're like, okay, I'll try not to lose this card, right? But then after you've been maybe like four or five times, that becomes kind of valuable to you. And then suddenly you're wanting to go to Subway more often so that you can, because you're getting closer and closer to that 10. And then maybe you buy your friend their sub so that you can put two punches on your card, right? Or so like, oh, you forgot your card. You can, I'll take the punches. Right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so your rate of responding increases until you finally get that free sub. And then you're like, oh God, I don't want to eat Subway anymore. <laughs> I will say that uh, there's a little restaurant in Cedar City, Utah, which is where I used to live, called yeah. the Pizza Cart. <laughs> they do that. They do the, the punch card. At least nice. I hope they still do because this was as of about a year ago that I was there. I still have the card. <laughs> I, live, I live a 12-hour drive away. I still have right. the card because if I go back, that pizza go. is good. <laughs> it's worth it. Nice. And their gelato... Buy 10, get one free? Is that what it is? I think, yeah, it's a buy yeah. 10, get one free. Nice. And uh, wood-fired pizza, just mm, kill it. Sounds good. It does sound it good. It is good. Yeah, typically, when I think of a fixed ratio, I'm thinking of, especially in schools, especially in, say, a, a program based on the principles of behavior analysis, maybe for young children with autism, you're usually looking at sort of the fixed ratio, kind of the token economy system. So not too dissimilar to the punch card, actually, when you think about it in terms of when the child engages in some desired behavior, perhaps they're doing a work task, you know, they solve a math problem, they engage in a, uh, you know, gross motor imitation response, they earn a token. And after every response, they earn a token. And when they have enough tokens and you deliver the backup reinforcer there. So that certainly be one way to use the, the fixed ratio. You don't have to. I mean, I've certainly seen, you know, really fancy token programs that allow for the variable ratio. So every token isn't worth one response. It could be some number of responses. That's when you start seeing more of the just, I'm, you know, the child who's like excited to work and they're just, you know, everything the teacher says, I'm ready to go because I know that there's all these you know, good things coming, both that, you know, hopefully with the pairing of the teacher and with reinforcement and then all the reinforcers that are delivered at a faster rate. Uh, but you're not quite sure the, the schedule. Uh, but another one is I think of video games a lot of times when I think of a, mm. of a fixed ratio, especially when it comes to controlling video games. You know, how many of us would have ever continued playing Mario Brothers if every time we pressed A, it was like, maybe he'll jump. He might not, though. You know, we'd probably be pounding on the A button over and over. Uh, but, you know, we want to see like he does it, we press it, he jumps. It's exciting, you know, so we kind of make a nice steady, steady rate of response. You got to shorten your cord if uh, the A button's not working. Oh, is that the trick? Something's wrong. You got to wiggle it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think you understand proper Nintendo <laughs> entertainment system maintenance. Uh, like. Blow in the cartridge. No, don't blow in the cartridge. It's bad for them. You're not supposed to do that. There's a superstitious behavior right there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's funny you should right. mention that because I enjoy games uh, like Dark Souls and Bloodborne where it is hard. There is no tutorial. You have to figure it out. And it is, it is hard from, from day one. And that is um, not a fixed uh, 
rate reinforcement. <laughs> it is no. It is variables. <laughs> <laughs> it is variable ratio out the wazoo. And uh, I'll tell you right now, the the first game that I ever played in that was uh, the game Bloodborne, which is by the, uh, a company called Software, which fun name, right? Yeah. Uh, and um, it, I'm not kidding. It took me ten hours to beat the first level. Those wow. games. Those games feel like. Um, there must be some sort of a variable ratio or variable interval schedule of reinforcement going on. Cause just hearing about people talk about those games, it's like, well, then I did this and I died and then I died and then I died and then I died. But then I, I made it to the end. So yeah, probably some sort of variable ratio of like, and then I got through, you know, I, I hit the yeah. right combination of buttons to get through. Yeah. I figured out the pattern that I needed to follow. Uh, they, they do seem to have that training. However, there's, there's a lot of onboarding, like, like you're yeah. saying, right? Like, you know, they must have they must have dialed it in well enough that enough people speak highly of those games because I hear people talk about them and I say, No, thank you. That sounds like a game in which I will never contact reinforcement. I think I own it though. I just never I haven't I haven't played it. I will tell you this right now that um it, it's it's not that it's it's random, it's that you just have to get your reflexes high enough. And then you and then you figure it out and then uh, I, I beat it recently and, and it took years for me to beat it because I wanted to enjoy it. I'm a completionist when it comes to video games. Mm. And Same. I'm also, this is terrible and it drives all my gamer friends nuts. I will play something for three or four months and then I'll stop for a year and not touch it. And then, and then all of a sudden I'll get a, you know, a desire to murder some pixels as I like to say. Mm. And, and then I'll go back to it and it's just like, I, I describe myself as a nerd with something better to do. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I Rob's beat, all about the achievements. I'm not that much about it. Yes. Depends. I don't on the play game. any games. I finally beat. I don't know if you know the game Mass Effect. Mass Effect series, uh -huh. Brian. I finally beat Mass Effect Three. I think that is the longest of. I started playing it and I was having a great time, and then put it down for whatever reason, and then finally beat it. I think I beat it like four months ago, and I think the last time I think I started it maybe six or seven years ago <laughs> but i did i made it through i saved the galaxy it's very exciting nicely done <laughs> so that was there was some sort of schedule reinforcement going on there that, that they kept me coming back a little bit of an iti going on there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was a maybe it was a mixed <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was, I think it was a mix. so i i kind of i kind of messed things up i was supposed to give an example of uh, uh a fixed rate re uh sorry fixed ratio um so fixed ratio i would say uh candy machine hmm? you, hopefully. you you put a quarter in you turn it click 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 candy comes out yes hopefully or um, it can be a variable ratio if it's defective if it or is extinction. defective that, yeah. Yeah, that's my example for the for your extinction burst well that's but if it's that's working actually, <laughs> the candy machine is one of my favorite examples of an sd um you you yeah. see it reinforcement might be available. You may not have quarters in your pocket, but that doesn't change the fact. Uh, I don't care, like as long as there's that learning history, I've seen, seen uh, individuals of all age levels, all level of verbal, verbality, all levels of, of uh, functional skill. Every single one of them, as soon as you walk past a candy machine or a soda machine, it is like like a, uh, an iron filing to a magnet. They will... <laughs> They will go there and they will stand there and it's like, I don't got any money. I'm sorry. Or, you know, I've had kids who would be like, give me some money. And I'm like, <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. But yeah. like, it's still there. That's the SD. And it's because um, 
it's a combination of the fixed ratio of when you put the coins in or the dollar bill in, you get it out. But then there's also um, a, a variable ratio of that, that makes it particularly strong as an SD, in my opinion, of um, you, every time you see it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to receive reinforcement from it. So. Good point. I think they might be one of man's greatest inventions. Or worse inventions think about if it. you're trying to lose weight. But they are so fun. There's just something so inherently fun about a vending machine. This is true. Right? Mm-hmm. Not so much the soda machine because you don't get to see it come out. It just like falls out at the bottom. But the vending machine. With a little twirls out or whatever. I love so- it. I had fun with this in my classroom because I had three candy machines in my classroom. Um, I had Skittles, M&Ms, and Runts. So I, uh-huh. I, I covered the gambit of the, the, yep. the, the candy preferences. And it was fun to watch it shift back and forth as to which ones I had to refill more often. Um, but, uh, and, and, I, and students were allowed to come in during lunchtime and, and buy the candy and I would use some of the money to refill the candy machines and some of the money um, I would donate to lunch to take care of kids who were kind of the, that, that, those gap kids where they didn't get their free lunch. And, yeah. And so it served a good purpose there. That's awesome. That's a, that's a but, great way to use that. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't want to make money off of kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that was my thing is like, I'm a teacher. This is, this, that's an ethical issue if I make money off of them (laughs) so um but uh I also had a little coin purse um I still have it it's it it's pink with the little glitzies on it and the kids would always be like why do you have a pink purse and I'm like why don't you right (laughs) (laughs) um but I I take those quarters and I color them and I'd have mostly blue like so I use a blue sharpie but every once in a while I'd have a red one in there too and I had a token economy and they could use the token economy to buy a quarter to put in the machine. And if when they randomly pulled it out, they pulled out a red, they got a second one, second quarter oh, for wow. free. So Ooh. I had so many schedules of reinforcement going on with this. And, That's super cool. <laughs> and um, I like to describe the, the, the reinforcement chain that's going on when you put the quarter in. Because one, quarter has intrinsic value because it's been paired. Mm-hmm. you slot it in you feel it slotting in that's reinforcing it just feels so good mm-hmm. click 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 yep. you're turning it you're hearing the click cling 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 pull the candy out eat the candy and if you have friends share the candy right yeah and so many reinforcers all in play right there and that was the most popular thing that for my token economy right there that's super was cool. was was just quarters in a candy machine because of all those schedules that were on play. Yeah. So, sorry. I love that. No, it's a great way to have a setup in a classroom. It's, it's, it's hitting a lot of the, the, the positives of you know, the schedules of reinforcement in terms of uh, increasing of, uh, opportunities for socialization. We talk about little cusps, you know, build it in there. That's just great. That's really good. I well, never had, I, I wish I'd had that fun idea in my own, my old, my old classrooms. So I never had a candy machine. Here's, here's oh. why I did it because I had bootleg reinforcement, too much of it. I'd have kids sneaking in and stealing candy. Mm. And um, I, I, I got frustrated with it. And I was like, how can I control this? How can I make it so that the kids can't bootleg it? Mm. Which at the time I didn't have the name for it, but right. um, like, you know, and uh, my wife and I were at a, uh, an antique shop 
and they were selling a candy machine without keys for 20 bucks. And I was like, but there's no keys for it. I'm going to have to go get, uh, I'm going to have to drill it out and get a new lock set. And so I, I talked to the shop owner and I said, you know, I want to use this in my classroom. Um, but 20 bucks is too much because I'm going to have to pay to get it all fixed. And, uh, the shop owner's response was five bucks. Hey. And then, and then I took it to a locksmith and the locksmith was like, Oh, you know what? Somebody actually had another candy machine here that they wanted me to rekey and they never came back to pick it up. So how about you just pay for the locks because they've, uh, it's been abandoned here for a year. Oh, wow. So for, I, I bought new locks it was 35 bucks. So that's 40 bucks for one candy machine. And then 75 bucks for the other one that has two, had two slots grand total of less, a little bit more than a hundred bucks. And I had three candy machines in my classroom. That's so cool. Brian, so. that, that, that kind of feels like a segment into, into variable ratio in terms of, you know, asking or bartering uh, behavior. Uh -huh. Like you better do it every time. It's not, you're not always going to get a deal, but you do it long enough. You're going to get so you're going to get like, you know, the serendipitous uh, three candy machine example, right? <laughs> yeah, you. exactly. And, and, uh, like if you've ever been outside the United States to any place where bartering is, is the norm that you, you have to do that. Yep. So. Whereas I, I think talking to, you know, we want to add extinction in, if you barter, who knows, you know, if you do it every time, there's a good chance it's eventually going to pay out, especially if you're, you get good at doing it. But you know, in America, you probably don't do it as much because you're mostly going to hit extinction. If you're like, what if I did most stores were like, please leave, sir or ma'am. Like, We're please done. get out of my store. Like, no, this isn't you. happening. Where's our customer service? Come on. Like, you know. Of course, one of my favorite things about bartering, especially with marketplaces like Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, that sort of thing, is when the person's like, what's the lowest you will go? <laughs> <laughs> and my response is, the price is listed. <laughs> yeah, right? Because <laughs> you're doing it all wrong, people. <laughs> Make an offer. And my response will be counter offer. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, that, that bartering, again, you do it. You do it some number of times. You don't quite know. You know, barter is not a perfect example in that there's no magic number, you know, that we're sort of averaging out if you're trying to say use a variable ratio schedule. That same idea. I'll engage in some number of responses. And after some number of responses, what's unclear to me, which one reinforcement will be delivered. And, you know, in the case of bartering, you know, you get, you get a good deal or you get an extra item that you weren't expecting. Uh, putatively, it's reinforcing that you get three candy machines. But uh, in your example, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, who wouldn't it be for? Come on. I now know. I really want to own a candy machine. Oh, oh you need to learn how I'm to barter look then. Into that. I'm very bad at bartering. E eBay is not bad, but they, they can be a little expensive. So, yeah. You know. Okay. I, I always recommend checking out the local marketplaces, that sort of thing. So see what I can do. All right. Uh, so we're on to variable ratio. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. That's the one we have. It's only it's only one. Last one. All right. So the the cool thing about variable ratio is not really that you're going to be able to distinguish it readily if you're looking at it as a cumulative record by itself. But when you compare it to the other schedules of reinforcement as displayed in a cumulative record, you tend to see the highest uh, rate of responding with the VR schedule. Here I'm it comes. Gonna, here we go. So this yep, one's there got it is. the steepest slope. That. Steep slope and then those little 
hatch marks are when the reinforcer is delivered. So you can see that it's sort of all over the place when they're coming and that all over the placeness is what keeps responding occurring at a high rate. So there's no interval component here. You're never gonna need to wait for the, for the reinforcer to come. Uh, it's just how many responses are, are occur before the reinforcer yeah. is provided. I, you know, I, do you mind if I jump in with, no. with an example? I, I think one area that we tend to forget in terms of a variable ratio, especially in, in school settings, is the idea of, like you were saying, Brian, study behaviors. Uh, you know, there are so many behaviors we could kind of classify as study behaviors. Sitting in seat, looking at speaker, looking at work, hand, pencil in hand, getting out materials. And I am always shocked how so many responses occur. Even if you're in a classroom with say 30, 30 students, you could freely be delivering reinforcement for one of those children every, you know, some number of responses uh, easily. And how very rarely I see teachers, uh, and, not, and I won't say every classroom, but just in, in my whole career, how often I'll go into rooms and I don't see any praise statements. And this would be a great example of what better way if you want your students to be constantly paying attention, constantly working, just paying, having some number of responses, maybe for the whole class, even you know, a class-wide system of like, when I see some number of study behaviors, I'm going to, you know, decide to, you don't have to plan it out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. You know, it's been a little while. I'm going to go for it. So for you, it's a, it's more of an interval schedule for the students. You're looking for, for set number of responses. Um, just every, you know, then every like four or five, six, seven, ten, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to pick, pick a number today. And for today, it's going to be this. Tomorrow will be something different. It's just a real simple kind of little fakey, almost variable ratio schedule because it's free. It's unpredictable for the students. Uh, again, there are some students who don't like praise. So, you know, you use with caution, but so many students would appreciate getting the acknowledgement that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They get to be the, the one who's the star of the classroom for, for 10 seconds. And it's easy to do. And it's really just a matter of I'm going to, you know, it's, today I'm going to count this many times. And if I see this, this many kids doing study, maybe the, the, the fifth one will be the the one I praise and then I'll change it. I'll make it the, the seventh one or the 10th one or the next one. And uh, it's, it's such a powerful system. It's really easy to do. It doesn't take a lot of extra planning. And I'm always shocked how little, and this is true for every, you know, this is true for business, this is true for schools. How very rarely we bother to say, you know what, if I see three people today uh, or the next hour, if I see three people doing something I like, I'm going to tell the third one, congratulations, you're the best. Thank you for X, Y, Z, whatever they were doing. And then I'll do, you know, I'll do, then I'll set another schedule for myself to follow. Uh, it's so simple. It's so easy. It's so appreciated. And it's just sort of like, well, it's your job, so do it. And you just, you just you lose out on this really free and easy reinforcement schedule. It's very sad. And so I, I want to speak to that because I, having been there and also having been from this perspective as well, I, I can understand. And I agree. It is very easy. Um, and I, I will also point out a, a pretty fun little phenomena, which is that in elementary schools, you have a higher rate of praise because it's a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more involved. Yeah. It's, a little, it's a little bit more showmanship, uh, I guess you could say, a little bit less curriculum delivery, um, that sort of thing. But like, we get so stuck in um, our phylogenic response of bad thing bad, don't want that, that we forget 
uh, or, or in many cases, people have never learned that the thing that you focus on is the thing that is in, in amplified. Uh, you will reinforce what you focus on, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as I was learning this stuff, and the reason I was a special ed teacher and specifically a behavior specialist special ed teacher was because for some reason I clicked with the kids. And that some reason was I understood where they're coming from. I'm autistic. Uh, most of the kids I was working with, the behavior kids were autistic or something similar. And so I, I saw them and I treated them the way that I wanted to be treated when I was a kid. Um, and as I started accessing more and more of the science of it, I was able to articulate to the teachers and teach the teachers. And with the exception of maybe two teachers, and I say maybe because right near the end there, they were really making some changes and I was really excited. Uh, but uh, with the exception of those, um, the school started changing their approach to the point that I was running a behavior special ed program, mild, moderate, that was 100% inclusion. That's awesome. We'd have study halls for the kids where they would come and I'd help them a little bit so that way they weren't overwhelmed with their work. Um, But my job was to to move around the school and be kind of that fireman slash gardener where I'd go tend the garden or put out fires depending on what was going on. And as things kind of progressed, it was a little bit more gardener, a little bit less fireman. Um, and that buy-in from the teachers was fantastic because oh, you just yep. didn't see. Oh, I hope we can reconnect. Hang on one oh, second, Brian. Sorry, Brian. Already we got to pause. For a sec. Oh, bandwidth. Go back. Is it done? Oh, there we go. Sorry, sorry our internet hey. like went, but it, it came back. Sorry, sorry. No, you're okay. Uh, so where did I cut off at? You were saying a little bit more gardener towards it. Oh yeah, so a little bit more gardener, and and as we kept going with with that, the teachers kept receiving reinforcement for providing the praise, kept on right. doing that because schedules of reinforcement apply to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, like I, I hear somebody being critical of a parent when we're working with it, and I'm like, well, try seeing it from their perspective. Like, well, probably the reason why they're doing that is because they're negatively reinforced. Like they're trying to, they're trying to get away from the thing that, that is aversive. So our job isn't to criticize them. Our job is to say, Hey, check this out. There's a new approach. And then be patient if they go back to old, uh, old behaviors, because it was on a schedule of reinforcement and it was working for them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Behavior analysis is the nerdiest way to be compassionate. (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's a, good, that's a good phrase <laughs> i like that it's uh where you know the behavior is there because of the learning history it worked for them at one point and it probably is still working for them behavior goes where reinforcement flows so let's be nerdy about it and be compassionate <laughs> very good so i like that a lot so i feel like my example was kind of a, a good practical a practical one you know it's and i think it led into you know brian like you were saying the idea that we're all we're all following some sort of a schedule of reinforcement did you guys have more fun anymore with the pelican related ones diana no this one wasn't pelican related it was uh trying to call into the radio station to see if you've won tickets oh yeah some That's some listeners one. may remember when people used to do these types of things, but you'd try to call in and be busy and you hang up and you try again and be busy and eventually you'd finally get through, but you wouldn't know how many times it was going to take calling back until you got through. 
depending on how popular the tickets were, you know, probably had something to do with the variable schedule there. Oh. I never won tickets, but I did try. I tried I to, oh, uh, what'd you win? Uh, Our Lady Peace ticket. Oh, oh yeah! yeah. Canada's finest alt rockers. <laughs> I didn't win tickets, but my buddy did for nice. the Cat Country 103 Listener Appreciation Concert. Wow. Ooh, that sounds yeah. like it was cool. a, a lot of bands there. A lot of bands. And uh, the radio station was owned by Garth Brooks. So he had a lot of good connections. Oh, wow. We're talking like people like Tracy Bird and uh, Brooks and Dunn. Like oh, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, like big, big headliners. And the, the, the thing about the Listener Appreciation Concert was you could not buy tickets. They, they were only given away exclusive so people were probably like non-stop mm-hmm. calling there was there was no 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 uh stop no no stopping and no running just yep. call 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 yep. lots of that oh, so. redial remember redial everybody yeah. oh, redial, redial button <laughs> my, my fr is more related to summertime it is when you have a popsicle that has a joke on the stick uh, you don't know how many licks it's going to take to get to the joke on the inside. My only my only concern I have with your example, Jackie, is you're going really out of limb that that joke is putatively reinforcing. Oh, it is. Well. It is. They're, they're, for me. Uh, are they that good, those yep. jokes? I love them. You got like a good stand-up type five on your it. popsicle like, stick? <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? If you like those jokes, I, uh, you guys know the band Dropkick Murphys? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, we're in Massachusetts, so yes, we definitely oh, know the oh, band. Of course, you know Dropkick Murphys. Well, I'm uh, me and my business partner are in the process of creating a gag shirt called the Drop Dead Burpees. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> I'm a punster. <laughs> okay, so 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 Brian, for you and Jackie, you variable ratio definitely to get to those jokes. It sounds like the cornier, the better. Nice. <laughs> Unless right. I've already had that one before. So. <laughs> and sometimes that happens. Yeah. That does happen. But you yeah. won't know. You won't know until you... And it's just a thinner schedule because you're going to eat a whole other popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right. We did it. Yes. We got the schedule of reinforcement. <laughs> we got some fantastic examples. It was fantastic having you guys on. Thank you so much. Oh, this yeah. Super it was super fun. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Well, definitely would love to have you back in the future if you're interested. Um, All right. Uh, it's always more tasseless. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there always is. List. And yeah. um, even when we're done with the task list, I still want to circle back and like go into more detail whenever possible because there's a, there's a lot of stuff. Um, and, and learning the day that I stop learning is the day I start decomposing. So... That's true. So students out there, you're listening, you're listening to Obehave and you're like, I'm going to listen to all these episodes and then I'll pass my test and then I'm done. Guess what? It's, you're, you're setting yourself up to be a really bad behavior analyst. You got to keep, keep on going. Uh, it's, it never ends. It never ends. Even with these easy, the, the quote unquote easy stuff from the task list, you know, the basics we're talking about. Uh, I, I, I know just, you know, hearing all the different uh, wrinkles that come into something so simple, it's, it's fun, even even now. But like we we you know we know the test is pretty well. We've been living it for all these years. But I love going back to talk about it because, I'll be honest, there are a couple pieces of the task list I kind of forgot a little bit and need a review on. So I'm glad I'm glad we have this resource now, so I don't have to go find a textbook. I'm just like, what's on my podcast play? What did Brian talk about today? 
<laughs> well, uh, it, it, it's also fun because with the side quest, we talk about all sorts of other things. Um, while I recorded this episode before the one that we're, we're recording now, I'm going to release it after. Um, Brad Bishop of Psychcore and I had a conversation about behavior analysis and humor. Oh, cool. so uh, really excited to to put that podcast out. But because I really I've want done, to hear that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it really wasn't as funny as I was hoping it would be, but at the same time, it was pretty dang funny. So uh, <laughs> I will I will say that with that one because it uh, humor in, incorporates a little bit of language that there is a little cursing in it. So that one's going to have a, a an advisory on it, sort sort of thing. My, gotcha. my dog is is here getting bootleg reinforcement. By the way, I'll let you know. <laughs> this is our superstitious dog. Hey, Aww. Haley. <laughs> Yeah, she's a sweetheart. Oh, she's a pretty. Yeah, she's a healer mix. So we're, oh, we're pretty sure she's got some terrier in her. Yeah. She's got that supersonic bark. Oh, she's. <laughs> it sucks when she barks in the car. Ooh, ouch. Oh, oh really? Yeah. It's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so um, I'm really excited for publishing that one. But I put, I put in, out cool. quite a few side quests and I'm like, Got to get back to basics before I do another side quest. Mm. So, right, yeah, <laughs> we're happy to help. Thank you, appreciate it. And we can't wait to have you on. So we'll, we'll take a look at the articles. Definitely. We'll make um, some notes. Start figuring out how we want to. Yeah. Oh, should we plug? Should we do? Yes, please. I was about to oh, ask yeah. you. Um, where can folks Sorry. hear ahead, your podcast? Ah, so we're on. I think we said at the top fifty times. ABA Inside Track uh, is our podcast. So. Uh, speaking of the idea of, of continuing to learn, our podcast has, uh, we hope, a similar fun discussion format, but we focus on a topic in behavior analysis every week, and we bring out some recent journal articles on whatever that topic is. So certainly we've talked about things like, uh, we talked about classroom management systems, we talked about school refusal behavior, we talked a little bit about anxiety, we've even talked about some like hardcore behavior analytic fun topics like resurgence, uh, which... What's fun? It's CMOs. So sometimes we'll get get really nitty gritty on that. So you know, if you're looking for a place to continue the learning once you've got the task list down, why not come over to uh, ABA Inside Track? And I know Brian, uh, we, we we like to have a lot of guests. We know you're going to be coming on. Depending on when your this episode comes out, we're going to be talking about uh, trauma informed care. Yes. So whether that's before or after, because that's how podcasts work. You never know when they're recorded and when they will magically appear in your podcast player. But uh, so we'll have them. We also had other guests like you we've think had, that's uh, a variable interval schedule. Is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Now we're talking you have mixed. Have to respond though. Gotta check. That's gotta, I gotta click yeah, the. Oh right. yeah, yeah. Gotta check. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, anyway, I interrupted you. Oh sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, so Brian, we, we're gonna have you on the show. We've had other folks. We've had like you know Dr. Jim Carr. We had uh, Dr. Byron Wine in a recent episode talking about staff turnover. Uh, we've had who else? Have we had we had some folks. Uh, we had Adrian Bradley and Kat Jackson from the. Um, the Black, the Black Behavior, Behavior Analysis Group, group recently. recently. Nice, yep. nice topic for these for these times. So there's always a lot more learning to do, and feel free to come and, and do it with us. And can't you also get continuing education credits? Oh, you can. That's true. So another thing, once you pass the test, you then have to continue learning. You you have to continue learning for many reasons. And yes, listening to the show, you can earn uh, learning credits for listening. So, hey, you know, kill two birds with one stone. We hope to be entertaining, but then at the very end, even if we weren't, you still earn a learning credit. So it could, it could be worse. We're, we're pay, we try to pair ourselves with uh, all the reinforcers we can. To be fair, I've, I've enjoyed many of your podcasts and uh, I, I've, I've yet to find one that puts me to sleep. So there you go. 
Oh, All right. Well, thanks. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Uh, again, folks, check out ABA Inside Track if you haven't already. And um, thank you for being a part of Obehave. Obehave is an open source education podcast, which means that this, this um, podcast is licensed so that you can use part or whole of the podcast for learning purposes, including cutting, reusing, that sort of thing, as long as you um, refer back to the podcast so that folks know where to find us and where they can continue finding open source learning. Um, we really appreciate having you guys on, and I hope you have an excellent night. Bye. Thanks, Thanks, Brian. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye.